take away Chicago. Haile Selassie, nutmegs a Nashville defender, and the shot is played in from the penalty spot. It's 1-0 Chicago in the 34th. Fabian Herber scores his fourth of the season, his third in four matches. And the boys in gold are behind the eight ball on the banks of Lake Michigan. Nashville SC falls on the road for the third straight time. The first time that's ever happened in club history. They've now gone 291 minutes without an away goal. And all of you now turning off your podcast because that's a discouraging <laughs> number. Uh, that fire winner from Fabian Herbers, courtesy of 104.5 The Zone. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage. From the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I was on the radio mic uh, last Saturday and uh, did that for the first five years of club history on West Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, uh, the proprietor of clubcountryusa.com, where for however long this club has been around at a, <laughs> at a USL or slightly pre-USL level, uh, I've been there on the internet doing it. And I think I'm, I'm safe to say you were the only member of Nashville SC Media to be at Soldier Field last Saturday it's, night, right? It's true. Although shout out to our homie Claudio. There was a credential there for him, but he didn't show <laughs> I mean, you know, showing up is the primary part of the battle, I suppose. But good for him for at least applying for the credential. I will say I applied for an All-Star Game credential uh, two days ago and rightly got an email back immediately from MLS. Uh, buddy, too late. Good try. Yeah. It's Audi Field yeah. and Arsenal's here. So good effort. So I did the opposite of Claudio. I wanted to be there. Uh, didn't didn't get the access. Tim, as good as this team has been at home, and they've been elite, one of the best home teams in Major League Soccer, they have some things to figure out on the road, and that's not going to be easy with a trip to the Supporter Shield leaders coming up this weekend, and of course, first Philadelphia coming to town Wednesday. Yeah, this is a situation where uh, you look at a Nashville team that at the beginning of the year was was good at home, but compared to the average team, which does get smacked on the road they're actually a better road team than they were a home team not in terms of points per game but in terms of normalized mm-hmm. against the average road team performance mm-hmm. um that has obviously changed recently and, and they'll need to find a way to snap out of it because like you mentioned uh, a trip to tql stadium is suddenly something that's a little bit scary which has not been the, the case in, in past years no it says the 6-3 result from 2021 uh, that was scary for about 20 minutes and then became comical and, and today we're going to get into why this team might have regressed a bit on the road and and some statistical context as to like, is this actually a bad road team? And the answer actually kind of surprising. No, it's not. They've just been a bad road team in the last three games, obviously, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're actually slightly above average on the road. And we want to give you some statistical context, but first again, Tim, you made the road trip with Nashville. You were considerably more successful than Nashville was because you had excellent coverage there. And it's good to hear your voice, you know, live at the press conference. But I always like to ask when when you're covering one on the road that that I didn't get to go to, what stood out that you saw in person that maybe we wouldn't have caught uh, on TV or, or on radio? Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually really interested in watching Zerdan Shakiri because obviously, uh, a dude with his profile um, might not necessarily be on the television screen all the time. And uh, it, it wasn't a whole lot prettier in person. This dude just does not care. Um, and yes, that can be the case for other kind of classical style number 10s in this league. But like, this is somebody who's standing directly behind an opponent uh, uh, across from the player with a ball and pointing at his feet and getting mad when they don't pass it through a, a, a solid human being to get to get it to him. It's just the, the degree to which that he just is really going through the motions kind of makes the uh, I guess probably soon to be uh, overcome, but most expensive player in the league right now. Uh, something that's, that's probably not a great way to build your team around. He's just mad that he's not going to be the highest paid player in MLS anymore. That's, that's his, that's his anger. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he should aspire to Tam level performance before getting upside about that. Well said. It's it's so funny though, and, and probably so frustrating as a Chicago supporter to see the guy flip on the light switch when he wants to and be elite in literally a flash, literally in a second, mm-hmm. and then just turn it back off. Like I've been in four World Cups. This is you know a half empty stadium. Yeah on a cool Saturday night when when Air Bears scored I actually thought it was Shakiri at first and I I thought he had snuck out of the corner of my eye and and actually done something good and I was like relieved to have my priors <laughs> confirm that he was nowhere near the play not even like right. interested in getting involved in it more stoke less Switzerland in those moments <laughs> I think for sure it, I'll tell you what though, that midfield was tricky for me it, it, for those of you who aren't familiar like radio doesn't typically travel 
to uh, to road matches. And so I was in Jodis Park watching on a monitor, a big monitor. It's a great setup, actually, really nice. But you have, you know, guy, 10 is, is Shakiri, 17 is Gutierrez. You have a lot of, you know, 10 to 19, like teenage numbers with guys who are built somewhat similarly. Yeah. And I just called everybody Shakiri most of the night when the ball was. was uh, there were, there were definitely a couple of times. It's funny because Brian Rodriguez is like a tall, skinny American guy, but I kept thinking he was Shakiri too. Who's a short, yeah. blocky uh, right. Swiss Serb. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous to rely. I should have, I, I have a Switzerland Jersey. I should have worn it for this oh, podcast. I'm wearing an Ireland, Ireland Jersey, jersey for everybody on my, uh, is it a Robbie Keane or is it, or is uh, it's 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 unlabeled? Just, it's just on the back? Yeah, it's just blank. I don't believe in, I don't believe in the where another adult's name on your back thing. I know it's not, it's not uh something I, I'll die for, but yeah, it's just not for me. A number, sure. I don't do the name either. Yeah. Uh, but I've also not put my own name on something because I could never. Yeah, no, I don't do that either. So it's, just, to... it's just fashion. You could be uh, former Nashville Predators defenseman Steve Sullivan, though, and just have the Sullivan that's actually your name, but also his name. Yeah. That's one of my friends, uh, one of my friends in med school where I went, um, the, my classic joke about my wife went to med school. Uh, one of our friends was LaPointe <laughs> and she was a big Red Wings fan. So whatever the LaPointe who played for the Red Wings was, she, uh, was finally able to have a, a Jersey with her own last name on it. So that's your, that's your little random uh, story for the day. <laughs> well, and, and she was very, you know, soft-spoken. And so when her friends around her were not being concise, they would just point to her and say, get to LaPointe. Hey, uh, all right. And we're moving on from that. <laughs> We've gone um, off the rails already. That's what happens when I have a beer before podcast. It doesn't take a beer to be punny. That's 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 a lot. Uh, <laughs> in the so. early shout, we're going to contrast home Nashville with road Nashville because obviously there's there. It looks like two different teams. Is that normal in MLS? Actually, more than you might think. And so we're going to bring you some some data to to discuss that a little bit. Uh, and also, what would happen in the final table if the boys in gold continue to struggle at the pace they are away from home? Not the zero point pace, but you know, generally like just less than a point per game, but kept up their tour at home pace. What would that look like in the final table? Uh, of course, it requires beating a team like Philadelphia at home or, or acquitting yourself well in those matches as well. Uh, of course, if you're going to struggle on the road in the mailbag, a great question. At what price would we consider selling Hani Mukhtar under the theorem that every player indeed does have a price on his head? I don't think Hani Mukhtar does right now, but but we can pretend and get high. Hey, man. There's always a price. If, if you walked into John Ingram and said, I will give you $1 billion for Hani Abubakar Mukhtar, I think he would say yes. Uh, report. Club Country USA. <laughs> yeah, $1 billion, $1 billion price. Dollar <laughs> um, also, what's happening in the transfer market? What's going on? Why might there be a delay in, you know, well, I think we all we all agree that Nashville is pursuing somebody up top or at least, you know, should be. Um why haven't we heard something when other teams are announcing theirs? You know, there's a lot of angst around that. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, our ideal NSC third kit. I'm still kind of thinking about mine, actually, in my head, because I'm breaking the premise of the question that was asked of us. Uh, so we'll get into that. And uh, then outside in briefly for the best possible outcome for Nashville SC and the U.S. Men's National Team in the Gold Cup quarterfinals. And next, Anna Bogadoy takes on the United States. But first, Tim, was that ML Rose? Uh, this past Saturday after the match. The beauty of it is that, you know, back when I worked in, in television, I'd get off at, you know, pretty late at night and the like two or three places open was the food you never wanted to eat, right? And certainly nowhere you wanted to sit and eat, uh, especially sober. <laughs> and I was, of course, sober after a, a broadcast and had multiple Emil Rose locations from which to choose. I went to the Charlotte Pike location. Not only was it great, and I'll talk about the food I ate in the next little Emil Rose plug later, but they had MLS on. They had they had LAFC in San Jose on the TV, on Apple TV. So I could sit, I could catch up on on soccer while eating the delicious food that again I'm teasing for later. It was it was really a best of both worlds situation. Yeah, and that's that's uh, what we often talk about, and especially at this time of year when uh, the other major sports are are a little bit uh, thinner on the ground. It's it's maybe you can go around town somewhere and and you know, beg them to put on a major league soccer game or even have to beg them to put on the Nashville SC game. That's not the case at ML Rose. You can walk in there and they will be 
Um, you know, they, they might not have the the sporting Kansas City versus Chicago Fire game on or something like they that, but <laughs> but 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 they'll have the national TV games on. And if uh, if you ask very nicely, you can get you can get uh, non NSC games around the country on too. So it's something that um, you know we're we're very happy that they support not just um, you know our podcast, not just the the uh, kind of Nashville SC cause in that in that regard, but but the league as a whole, and and they want to be Nashville soccer bar. Yeah, they don't just advertise on our podcast. They have a marketing plan, and thankfully, it's a better plan than just advertising on our podcast. You know, they they want to make sure that if they're going to be reaching the Nashville soccer audience through us, that they're also going to be, of course, showing matches in the restaurant and and advertising toward those fans uh, at all locations. Uh, job well done for Memorial Rose. Again, you can trust that if you go there, you're going to get the right experience, and also, again awesome food and every time i go i feel like there's a new beer on the beer list so i got to kind of try mm. a couple of new drafts i'd never even heard of that were semi-local so uh, that was also uh, very exciting all right let's move on now to the early shout the wall is being set the ball is set and the moment might just be set for honey mukhtar to score his seventh all-time goal against chicago and equalize this game 56th minute mukhtar and lovitz standing over it the ball sits along the paint of the apron of the penalty area. Here comes Hani. Right-legged shot. Oh, it is a diving save from Brady. Well, Hani Mukhtar almost gave us a completely different conversation today. His free kick was saved by Chris Brady, as heard on 104.5 The Zone. Uh, Tim, Gary Smith opted to sit Hani for the first 45 minutes Saturday. Uh, I look at what's ahead for this team, and I can understand it when you've got Philadelphia coming to town, physical, tough, good team. Of course, the Cincy Road match, where no doubt you want to play Hani 90 if you can. So I guess I maybe I gave my answer there, but was that the right call to, to sit Hani in a match where you know he's been so dominant against the Chicago team? Six goals in 155 career minutes against the Fire. Yeah, uh, hindsight is is 2020, of course, but it's it's the future now. So I I do have the benefit of that hindsight. <laughs> of, of course, it was the wrong decision. Now that we know how the match played out, you can sit Hani Mukhtar against Chicago Fire because you want to have him available against the Philadelphia Union and FC Cincinnati. But guess what? Uh, each game is worth a minimum of zero points and a maximum of three points. And against the easiest of the three opposition uh, squads this week, it came away with zero points. If you're willing to give Hani at least 45 minutes, at the very least, it, it would have made sense to potentially give him the first 45 minutes mm-hmm. so that you have a chance to put the game to bed with him instead of, as ultimately happened, having to play comeback with him on the pitch. And And yes, there were a couple opportunities that really could have you know, followed through on that comeback. And he was, he was involved in, I think the two best ones, including the one that you uh, played your lovely audio of there to start this <laughs> section. But it is a situation where if Nashville is playing from one zero down, the benefit to subbing Hani Mukhtar on certainly exists, but it's not as good as the benefit of playing Hani Mukhtar in an even mm-hmm. game state. That's when he's absolutely at his best, when he can run at a back line that is retreating instead of packed mm-hmm. in along the top of the 18. Uh, perfectly fair. Christopher Price, summing up your thoughts well, he asked, could we maybe, maybe arrest Hani after we have a, a two-goal lead? Uh, certainly a, a fair a fair question. I mean, I, I, do, I did see it reported that he had an ankle knock uh, in training. Maybe that was part of that decision as well, was that he wasn't mm-hmm. going to be as fresh as let him rest up for a tough week. And that obviously kind of changes the calculus a little bit if that's if that's the case. I, I will say when he came in at halftime, I wondered if if maybe they'd hope to rest him even longer. But once oh, yeah, absolutely. Down, I asked Gary after the game and he said, yeah, we were we were thinking maybe 60th, 65th minute we mm-hmm. put him in. But because of the game situation, we had to do it sooner. Yeah, just disappointing for Nashville. I think that, you know, he wasn't able to go or he, he was not selected to go that full stretch. But I also think, you know, if you're if you're struggling on the road, you see a Chicago team that has struggled defensively. Maybe you think, hey, you know, as Nashville, we can nick a few chances against this team without Hani. Uh and and maybe Philadelphia and Cincinnati are going to be that much tougher to uh to break down. So I certainly can see the logic. Uh didn't love how it played out, but uh yes, we are in the future. So we can look back and say it didn't exactly work as Nashville hoped or intended. It's just the ninth time that Hani has entered as a sub for NSC, obviously intuitively, usually when he's not started, it's because he's not been healthy enough to play at all. He only has one goal in those uh, appearances, and now he's gone four matches, or I guess we'll say three and a half matches, without a goal for Nashville. Is that a concern at all? Um, if he's healthy, not not really. Um, of course, you know Gary did mention after the match that he isn't fully healthy, but um, I guess it's fair to worry because we're used to his being on an insane pace by now, and we're used to I guess Nashville needing him to be on an insane pace by now. But but that pace is insane, and you can't expect a guy 
to keep up with that. Even elite goal scorers go through droughts. Um, we've seen it with Hani before. You look at you look back at a dude like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a, a dude who came in and and did nothing but score goals. He had a, a streak of five scoreless in his career with the LA Galaxy. Um, those, he only did it once though. I was hoping that <laughs> when I look up that stat, there'd be like three streaks in there. But dude was an insane goal machine. But still, yeah, you know Zlatan was doing it as the only scorer for a much worse team. Nashville can grind out one zero results without sure. Hani probably, sure. and it's not ideal, but they can do it. I think preferably you get 90 minutes out of him, you know, over the next couple of days um, and you get 90 more minutes out of him on Saturday and and he scores uh, seven goals in those two games. So perfect. <laughs> and then, Again, then the narrative will be changed. He's going to sell score seven goals and then be sold for a billion dollars. Those are the, the <laughs> clear predictions you're making. Yeah. But I think, you know, for me, the bigger issue is, you know, where, where's the systemic problem if there is one in Nashville's attack? Cause, because I think Hani is going to do what Hani does if he's put in position to do absolutely Hani yeah. things. So, you know, what is Nashville not doing, you know, to, to, you know, keep him out of positions that, where he can succeed. I think, that to me is is the question. In this case, I think it's as simple for 45 minutes. You alluded to it as Chicago was banked in with yeah. you know a couple banks of four and and they weren't going to allow chances because they were already ahead. So that was always going to be tough to do. And without Schaffelberg, you don't have the, exactly, the yeah. line breaking speed that Nashville will have. Uh, hopefully, as soon as maybe maybe Wednesday night, but certainly by the weekend. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to add in there. Is first of all. You're you're down your number one set piece threat in Walker Zimmerman, who was serving a red card suspension for the match. No need to rehash that situation. <laughs> but um, a guy like Schaffelberg is the one piece that can prevent Chicago from from playing in a way that, you know, makes Hani less dangerous against a, a bit of a bunker because Schaffelberg can continue to stretch them. He can give Hani a little bit more space than you would typically see when Nashville is facing a deficit. So for our gold nuggets now, let's get into the other challenge here, which is that Nashville, for the first time in its history, is winless in three on the road. It's not score. Or sorry, uh, I've lost three in a row on the road. Winless in four. Um, the the second part has happened before. They've been winless in longer stretches than this way from home, but they've never lost three in a row. Uh, they've never gone scoreless and lost uh, three in a row. But we see this team at home, and many of you are listening to this on on match day, heading into Jodis Park uh, for for Wednesday's game against Philly, and and I think we expect to see a different team at Jodis Park, and, and the numbers show that. Is that normal? The answer, actually, yeah, a little bit. Uh, points per game, though, contrasting first and foremost, Nashville earning two point three six points per game at home. Can't do much better than that. Three would be better than that. Uh, but you're not gonna you're not gonna hit that mark. This would be the best in club history, and it's not close if they keep that pace. On the road, 1.09 points per game, averaging a draw on the road. So you're pretty much hitting the maximum of win at home with draw on the road. Uh, what's the average performance on the road, by the way? 0.93 points per game right now across Major League Soccer for road teams. They don't do well. Teams do not do well away from home. So you know you look at these last three, and that needs to be reversed. The trend across the the whole of the season, though, you know I think the results are about where you probably need them to be right now to have the kind of season that you want to have. I'll, I'll touch on a couple other stats. Uh, they've played 11 games on each side of things. We can go total numbers here. 21 goals at home, nine goals on the road. The league average there uh, on the road is 11 goals. So you're a little below average scoring. Of course, you're above average at home. XG pretty similar, except the league average gets higher. So your XG is nine. The league average there a little higher, 11.7. Nashville is the third lowest road XG uh, in the East total, I believe that also equates to XG per 90. So uh, that to, to, is not encouraging to me. An, an above average road team from results by just a little bit. The XG number, not terribly encouraging. Does it mean anything at all? Um, I mean, it, it always is going to mean a little, <laughs> a little something, right? But um, I think the question is more about uh, how meaningful is it? I, you can look at, at whether that's bad luck. Um, you can look at things like Nashville only putting up uh, 0.54 XG in Orlando. Uh, well, that was a game that they won to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the game that they got a multi-goal win. So in fact, Nashville has scored multiple road goals on three occasions. That is not a ton, but they have not hit 1.0 XG in any of those three matches. Uh, they were at 0.84 in a 2-1 win against, oh God, I've got to pull up the right page on my spreadsheet again, um, <laughs> in, in the 2-1 win against Dallas. Uh, 0.84 was against Dallas. Yep. And then, Ooh. uh, the two, one win against Charlotte, they were, um, they were at one flat. So it is a situation Which where the PK, by the way. Yeah. So, so it is a situation where they've gotten 
Uh, I guess you could say a little bit lucky. You could also say that because once they get a, a second goal on the road, they're they're going to bunker even more than the average road team. So they're uh, over the course of the season, those things will level off, but they've kind of uh, self-selected outscoring their XG in a couple games too. So um, yeah, they're not, you know, I, I don't think I haven't run the numbers, you know, with like statistical significance tests, but I don't think they're statistically significantly different than anybody else in the league. And yeah. um, it's just a matter of of going out and getting it done and stringing the the goals together in, in ways that earn your results that will really help Nashville um, kind of, you know, make the most of their luck here. As fluid as this league is, it's hard to assume that we know a team after 22 games. But let's just make that assumption for a minute that that this is who Nashville is at home, which is really strong. I, I might argue they'll probably regress a little bit because 2.36 points per game is, is ludicrously good. It's hard not to regress, but we'll just pretend they, they keep that pace at home. They keep their pace on the road of essentially averaging a draw. Where does that leave this team? Uh, that's the question that we will ask. It would give them, uh, if you do some math that I won't show my work on here, 20 more points for the rest of the year over your six home and your six road matches. Essentially, that means you're getting 14 home points and six road points or seven road points uh, based on on how you went around there. Uh, 58 points is what that would mean. It'd be a club record uh, by four points. It would have been second place in 2021, would have been third place in the East last year. So even though things are really frustrating on the road, even if Nashville finishes with a league average road haul, let's say they regress even more on the road to that average of under a point per game, you're still talking about a home form, if it stays strong, carrying this team to a top four finish and probably better. And of course, even if you win one road match or even two, you're throwing that way out of whack because that's going to get you to those six points uh, as it is. So, you know, still a lot that can change that equation. But the point being, if this team continues to be the team that we know it to be at this point, great things are ahead for Nashville. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind is is the difficulty of that road schedule too. Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, as we've mentioned multiple times, going to Atlanta, a good, not great team, but uh, they're far more formidable at home, especially uh, in a rivalry match. They will potentially open that upper deck at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, At Inter-Miami, very bad team. Uh, This is going to be the third game that they have uh, the greatest player who's <laughs> who's ever lived so uh, that could change the equation I still think they will not be very good but uh, agreed I'm I'm very willing to let Lionel Messi change my mind about that um, Sporting KC suddenly resurgent not great but suddenly resurgent um, San Jose very good those are in the course of three days so that's going to be really tough and then a trip to Philadelphia. This is a pretty tough road run in, but um, it's it's funny because uh, last year and to an extent in 2021, we kept saying, don't worry, things are better than they seem when the results weren't good, kind of in the middle portion of the year in in both of those years. And uh, we turned out to be right in both of um, both seasons to differing degrees. In 2021, we we looked much smarter than we did last year. But (laughs) this year, we we never had to do that because the team started on, on such a good run of early results. Uh, the flip side is that the results have probably been worse than deserved over this uh, four game kind of ignominious stretch here. And uh, there's a bit of a bounce back and things aren't as bad as they feel in the immediate. They might not have been as good as they felt when the, the club was getting a ton of home, especially home, I should say, results. So um, I do think that you'll see a team that might regress a tiny bit, but they they basically are going to end up where they deserve at the end of the year, as, as typically happens. And um, at this stage, that looks like a, a second or third place finish. And what could really change this conversation even for the better, of course, is if Nashville brings in an impactful transfer. And again, we'll get to that in the mailbag in, in just a minute. But let's talk about uh, tonight's game for most of you who are probably listening on Wednesday. Uh, and then we'll talk Cincy for just a second. First, let's talk about the union. A great team. Jim Curtin has the all the respect in the world from this team, from both of us, from this league, from both of us. Um, but Philly's winless in four road matches. If we want more evidence of how tough it is to get things done on the road, they just lost at Galaxy, which uh, are maybe trending upward, but they're not an elite team right now in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, in those four road matches, Philly's given up nine goals. Um, they're without Andre Blake. And I know you asked yeah. Gary Smith in the midweek presser uh, leading up to this match about that absence and how big of an impact that has. But last year, Philadelphia had a winning record on the road. They were like seven, five and five, which is about as as good as you could expect to do in this league. Has something changed with this Philly team or are we literally just seeing a distortion of these numbers because they've been without their cornerstone keeper now who really I mean, he's he's saved Philadelphia against Nashville before. Yeah, I mean. For starters, yes, uh, Andre Blake is is just that dude. <laughs> to, to be quite honest, um, yeah. 
hopefully the United States men's national team has an opportunity to face him in the finals. Yes, please. Um, but uh, of course, the, the big picture is that I think uh, a significant part of their struggle has been um, just coming down from what was an elite year last year. <laughs> that That's not easy to do it two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Ask LAFC. They look like trash lately. Obviously, some of that is is because of the CCL hangover. Some of it is is just because when those results aren't what you want them to be for like maybe a game too long, you start to get in your head a little bit. But either way, um, you look at uh, what Philly has done on the road and and yeah, a significant part of of their road struggle has come, you know, a loss to San Jose by a close score, um, you know, just uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you have a, a full squad, does that happen? Um, getting smacked by L.A., yeah, like you mentioned, L.A. Is, is coming back a little bit. But with Andre Blake, I don't think you give up three goals. No. So it is a situation where uh, their their road results are, are kind of skewed by the fact that um, – too many of them have come without the best keeper in the league between the pipes, which is something that they, I don't want to say they've come to rely on it because they have a well-rounded team, but certainly you notice it when you don't have Andre Blake. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's kind of made their road results look worse than probably they would if they were kind of evenly distributed throughout the season. Either way, it doesn't matter because when Nashville faces this team, they have to face them knowing Philly doesn't have Andre Blake. We need to make the most of it. And I asked Randall Leal about that too. And he gave his, his typical Randall Leal, you know, uh, they have very good players. Uh, they're going to be, they're going to be ready to play us. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to not have to face Andre Blake, but they have very good players and always tries to downplay it. But I think oh, yeah. uh, you can see his eyes light up a little bit as I, as I asked him that too. Randall's become very proficient in two languages uh, here in the U S during his time here. Uh, English massive, like he's great at it now. And media speak also very good, very good at that. Uh, let's hear what Gary Smith had to say though about this Philadelphia team, especially as we think about you know some of the similarities between the way that uh, these two teams typically play. I think the guys will always have in the forefront of their mind that the games we've played against Philadelphia are exceptionally tight and competitive, and I do think there are a lot of similarities within the group. You know, both teams are ultra competitive. Um, you know, very well organised. If we look at the shape we've been playing, it's very, very similar to the way that they've played for a, a number of years now and had so much success. Um, you know, that in itself, I think the, the, the makeup of players, the balance of the group, very, very similar. And, and it always leads to a really tight affair. So I, I'm not expecting anything different on Wednesday night. Um, we're both coming off the back of a, of a, a loss. I'm sure they'll be just as keen as we are to, to try and get back in, uh, you know, positive territory. And, and we're, of course, really tight in the league again. You know, there's, there's nothing in it. Um, you know, shades of, what was it, 21, where I think they picked us to uh, um, third, second off second it was uh, that year. Um, you know, by the odd point, I think. Um, so th- there's nothing in it. And I'm expecting it to be very little in the game on, on Wednesday night, knowing what's on the line. You know, and Gary talked a bit in the presser, Tim, about, you know, without some other help due to Gold Cup action that they might move to a three-man back line. But if they do play that diamond, and it's diamond versus diamond, is it true that this really just comes down to car crashes in midfield and who gets out on the better end of those car crashes and has a little more technical skill in those one-on-one midfield matchups? Yeah, I mean, it might depend on that. And if it does, you, you better hope that you have a healthy Hani Mukhtar because he is he is the game changer. If you can play him as kind of a, a 10 there, or even if you play him as one of the forwards and have Randall Leal at the 10, which is which is something that we've talked about in the past that I kind of like as a mm-hmm. as a change up slash kind of ultimate threat version of the of the diamond that Nashville has played. Um, it's it comes down to uh, I think in part do do Phillies slightly better attacking um shuttlers. Uh are they neutralized by a guy like Alex Mwil, for example, or Sean mm-hmm. Davis, who we've seen start as one of those shuttlers? Sean Davis and Alex Mwil are uh, are not elite attacking players from the, that shuttler position. I, I intend no disrespect to either of them, but they have the defensive chops to absolutely neutralize the other guys. And then it comes down to just making the most of, of limited opportunities. And, and it might be the sort of game where I think Jim Curtin is capable of slowing down Nashville enough and it could come down to set pieces. And that's somewhere that uh, a return for, for Walker Zimmerman and uh, you know, hopefully a, a full match out of Hani Mukhtar for the service. And you have a real game changing opportunity there. 
a fresh and angry Walker, probably not happy he sat against Chicago after those yellow cards that we won't revisit here. Uh, looking briefly at Saturday, FC Cincinnati has been the talk of the league this year, and deservedly so. They lead the East right now by seven points over Nashville at press time here Tuesday night. But they've not won in three matches, and that streak coincides with the departure of Brandon Vasquez and Matt Miazga for Gold Cup play for the U.S. Maybe that's correlation and not causation, but I, I definitely think there's some causation in that as well. Is it a sign, Tim, that, that since he maybe isn't quite the behemoth that they've appeared to be for so much of the season? Are they are they still shallow enough as they bring in a new DP striker uh, as we speak, you know, this week, but but not counting him? Are they still, you know, shallow enough that they can be picked off even maybe at home where they've still not lost this year? Yeah, I, I, I don't think if Nashville picks them off at home, it's because it's it's a shallow team. I don't think it's specifically because of Vasquez, who's had an okay year, but certainly not the sort of year that he had last year. It may be a little bit more because of Miazga, who I think is is not a very good U.S. international, but is a, a fine to very good major league soccer player. And he's somebody who they've come to rely on since he joined midseason last year. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that could be a big part of it. So um, I, I think if you're Nashville, you look at them and say, you know, they're, they're a little vulnerable, but that's not because they are shorthanded. That's because we are, we have good player. We have many good player, <laughs> just, just like they do. And, <laughs> and it's a situation that Nashville has gone in there and won before and, and won't be scared, but they need to capitalize on um, what should be a personnel advantage. And I think even fully healthy squads, which we have seen so rarely from Nashville this year, I think Nashville does have the the personnel advantage. We've seen Cincinnati squeak out a lot of close games, and that's why they're so high in the table right now. I think they're still on a record points pace despite their recent run of of poor results. But uh, I think Nashville can go in there and say, we can stand up to them man for man and be the better team. I'm thinking about going. If you're going and you're trying, you want to persuade me to go, hit me on threads. Yes, threads. I'm trying to quit Twitter slowly, but surely I'm doing a terrible job at it. So let me know on threads if you're going to be there and if I should be there too. Uh, one place I will be if I don't go to Cincinnati is ML Rose. The food that I ate, Tim, the other night after this match, a crunch wrap burger at Ooh. ML Rose. It's, and I asked, how long has this been on the menu? And I said, that's, you know, at least at the Charlotte location, it had been like maybe a month or so. I just missed it in my pre- uh, previous trips there. And I've been out of town a lot, but yeah, like, like basically you think of a crunch wrap at a famous restaurant that doesn't sponsor the podcast, but you add a juicy burger patty into that and fresher ingredients than you're going to get at said fast food restaurant. Oh man, it was so good. That sounds, that sounds really good. Um, I have a, I have a, you, you got to tell your story, your post-match story. Uh, so I'll tell mine from Saturday night as well. Uh, I had to walk to the train station from Soldier Field to go to my sister's house. Missed multiple trains. By the time I got to my sister's house, I was so hungry. Um, my sister and her husband didn't have any food. I just had a beer and went to bed. Um, actually, that's not true. I had a beer and watched a tennis match that had happened way <laughs> earlier in the morning because my brother-in-law wanted to stay up and watch it. And I I Googled on my phone. I was like, if this went to four sets, I'm just going to go to bed now. It was a quick <laughs> three-setter. So I, I stayed up and watched it with yeah. him. But I was just thinking, man, if I could have spent my 14 minutes and 20 seconds walking to the train station instead walking to ML Rose oh on 8th South, I would be so much happier right. right now. I would have had I would have had my first beer before midnight central time yeah. instead of, instead of uh, when I did. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, it was a bummer to be, uh, you know, you know, in a situation where I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to walk 15 minutes somewhere and have that place not be. <laughs> yeah, the only stuff you have in your soldier field is a bunch of museums, which are wonderful museums, but they don't feed you very well. Uh, no, that's uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. ML Rose. I mean, it's, and, it's and an insane, an insane number of pedicabs just driving through Grant Park. It was insane. Like see that, yeah. a stream of them, like in, in Finding Nemo, where there's the jet stream of the turtles. <laughs> it was that with pedicabs. It was insane. And probably about the same speed as the turtles, I would say, given the, the traffic jam there. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. Finn Breland, he says, I don't think anybody would be happy to sell Hani at any price. There's no indication he wants to leave. But in your mind, at what price does Nashville have to consider it? And if we got that price for him, what amount would you expect to be reinvested into the squad? And of course, Finn is referencing here reports that the Atari Stars League has submitted uh, an offer to Nashville SC for Hani Mukhtar. Of course, that would require a transfer agreement, and also terms with the player. We have no indication here that, yeah. that Tim, that's Tim has happen. Tim has issued a transfer offer to Gal Gadot to be his wife uh, as well. <laughs> that's equally realistic. So. Equally, exactly. So, but but all right, let's just play. Let's play the, the money game. Like every player does have a price. What's the price for Hani Mukhtar? 
I, it has to be a league record fee, which uh, so far is 27 million bucks for Miguel Almiron when Atlanta United sold him. Um, obviously, Nashville would replace Hani with some of that money, um, but you can get really good players without spending $27 million. Nobody's done it. Um, <laughs> I guess since Messi's coming on a free, still nobody's yeah. done it. So yeah. um, I, one that's one of the benefits of being in the middle of the food chain is that you can buy buy low and sell high a little bit more frequently. And, and if Nashville were to sell Hani, that's what they'd be doing. I think they'd replace him with somebody under $10 million. That would still be uh, more than uh, Ake Lobo came for, for example. So that's a situation where you're still spending a ton of money. You can spread that money. You cannot convert any of your proceeds from selling a designated player into allocation money. So it would have to be in transfer fees um, mm-hmm. or in playing paying a designated player. And I think Nashville would would uh, kind of come around and, and pick up some U22 initiative players. Although I don't want to I don't want to scoop. But we have a question about that in a sec as well. Yeah, I think you have to get. I won't name a number here, but but some amount that enables you, you have to get to a league re- record. That's it. I, 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 mean, I think it's fair. In the I think that's fair. I think yeah. from a from a practical standpoint, you look at the goals and the assists Honey pours in, and you try to factor that in and say, what number of players do we need to bring in to equal that and replace him eventually? And it's not going to be one guy, no matter how good that guy is. I think you need to be able to reinvest in a way that cobbles together those numbers, um, essentially, and that's going to be. 15 20 million dollars i think at least to to get to that to that to that level um yeah it's it's not happening though so we're not reporting that that is the number that needs to be reached for this exact thing to happen um aaron which comes first the dp number nine or hell freezing over uh yeah i know like transfer rumors are worth the paper that they're tweeted on uh, to mix the metaphors, but, but Tim, would you have expected the club to at least, you know, for there at least be some smoke around this right now, or for the club to at least, if not announced somebody, maybe start leaking a little bit of like who these potential people could be so that they could reassure people like what's, what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, I remember how late in the window in the summer window, John Ricardis and Ake Loba both came. I, those were different situations because there's more intense COVID quarantine rule periods and all that sort of stuff. But uh, an incoming player was not going to see the pitch by this Saturday, the, the final league game before the league's cup begins. Um, cause the guy couldn't join until the fifth. And I don't think Gary Smith is going to integrate a guy in the, in the course of a, a week and a half. So, uh, in that case, there's really no need to announce. Um, I'm surprised that none of the, um, you know, none of the buzz that I've heard has, has turned out to be the guy that it, that it ends up being, um, and at this stage, I'd be pleasantly surprised if one was was in and integrated by the time League's Cup begins. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit surprising to me because um, it does seem like an opportunity to to debut a guy and give him match minutes in, in what is ultimately, honestly, a low stakes environment. It's not sure. League play. I, I, I have been, you know, pounding on the desk that I think Nashville should go all out to at least uh, beat every Mexican team that comes up against them in League's Cup, whether that's only in the group stage or if they advance and play against a Mexican club. But at this stage, it seems like a possibility, but we would really need to hear some more concrete buzz before um, expecting a guy to come in for that time. Yeah, I just looked back, by the way, to your uh, point. Aki Lovell was announced on July 7th. So right along this timeline, um, but even that had... But he didn't been, He didn't debut until... It, much it was a while that, after so, that. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't score for much longer than that, but that's another point. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not shocked, I think, that that, you know, there aren't names that are being floated around at least in in you know the uh the discussion but i do see the, the uh, i think league's cup is is definitely a missed opportunity there I, I think you still do have the luxury though you don't play again till mid-august in league play after this weekend and so you know i think there is also an argument for letting Leeds cup be the opportunity then to develop some of your younger talent to really make a push if you do make the knockout round and uh and then you've got some time when when the stakes get back to what they are to have somebody who's been hopefully training with the team at that point for several weeks. So I'm not overly concerned. I get I get annoyed by transfer rumors. There are some reliable, great voices in this league who have their ear to the ground of what's happening. I follow them. I would love it if they were naming players linked to Nashville. But on the flip side, you look at what Miami has done up until this year, and they're linked to every single person and nothing ever happens. I, I just... I get tired of the rumors, honestly. And so I don't take the lack of buzz as lack of activity. And I don't think that fans should either. You look, you want to have that person named and announced, but but don't think that the lack of conversation indicates a lack of, of work behind the scenes to get something over the line. Tracy Edwards from DPs to youngsters. What do you see as the probable plan for the U22 slot or slots? And why hasn't the club utilized this league gift recently? Good question. Yeah, I'll actually answer them out of order. Um, and 
somewhat speculative for both halves of the answer. Usually we try to answer from a position of knowledge. I'll do uh, informed guessing here, but um, they got burned on the first one in Rodrigo Pinheiro. Um, that was mostly for off-field reasons related to the pandemic. Um, a kid who didn't learn English and, and didn't really have interest in learning English. Uh, that made it even tougher to be away from his family and especially his girlfriend. Uh, and it, it just never worked out where his head was was in soccer and, and for justifiable reasons. <laughs> when mm-hmm. you look at what uh, a lot of people were going through over the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Um, I don't know if that spooked the front office necessarily, but I do think one reason that they haven't used the U22 initiative a lot lately is I think, you know, writing off a transfer fee uh, that doesn't count against your salary budget still means that you have to pay it. Um, the owner still has to pay U.S. currency to, to pay that transfer fee. And I think when you look at it and they see a hit rate so far in this league that it's not any better than drafting a kid out of college who's also not a sure thing um, when you have limited roster space, uh, the the much cheaper option is to go with the draftable kid. You're much, you have much more, um, I think probably personal investment from those guys. Um, the Pinero uh, situation is very demonstrative of that. A kid mm-hmm. who's from, um, you know, North Carolina is not going to get homesick, uh, because he's half a world away from home. He's, he's going to be you know an eight hour drive away from home. Uh, to, so it's a little bit, a different situation for guys who are domestically raised too. So I think for multiple reasons, they haven't done it. I do think once this roster is like completely stabilized, they have a good idea of how they want to integrate Huntsville City FC in with the first team mm-hmm. in the long run. There will be much more incentive to utilize the U22 initiative player because you'll be able to scout them and you'll know which guys uh, out of the college ranks especially make sense for your second team. And then you can take bigger swings on a U22 initiative guy for the first team. Yeah, I think it's building your house on sand to to try to rely on them as foundational roster pieces versus when your roster reaches maturity uh, across the spectrum, like you said. And then you can add sand to your uh, your house built on rock. I don't know that that we're, that's where we lose the metaphor. But Are you I worried about flooding. You're going to do sandbags around your house. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a smart idea these days. With some of the storms are getting. Um, Vincenzo, with the last question today. What theme would you like to see if NSC were awarded a third kit? Miss me with the tired hot chicken country music trope. All right, Vincenzo. I mean, they've got they've got they've got a country music one for their their secondary kit this year already. They do. And that's the way they're going to go if they had a third kit. Like a hot chicken jersey would be fire. It would actually probably look like fire. It would literally not literally be fire, but literally look like fire. Um, I'm going to I'm going to. You, you can miss me, I guess, Vincenzo, or maybe I'm going to miss you because I think like pinstripes as hoops on a, on a, like a guitar string themed kit would be pretty banger. Like, I think that'd be pretty like, like you could alternate like blue and gold down, you know, vertical stripes, like guitar strings. I think that'd look pretty sweet. Uh, that's mine. Even though you told me not to go with country music, <laughs> I'm not going country music. Guitars are not just for country music. Ask Ben Folds. Yeah. On Belmont Boulevard. I, I never listened to a country song a day in my life and I've got all sorts got, of them right behind me. Yeah, so at least two, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. No, there's three there. I was like, oh, shit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You lost a guitar. Um, (laughs) But uh, um, for me, uh, you actually kind of inspired me for another one there. But the one that the one that I came up with earlier is a Smoky Mountains themed one. You can do like wispy clouds and you can have like a green with like a little like profile of the mountains um, kind of in the background there. And that's something Mm -hmm. that uh, speaks to all of Tennessee and not just Nashville. Obviously, this club represents Nashville first and foremost, but I think there is something to be gained by, especially in East Tennessee, kind of saying, hey, you aren't Atlanta United territory at all. Yeah, yeah. And then the the idea that you just inspired me by by completely smacking down Vincenzo's uh, little <laughs> uh, condition here is is a bachelorette party or p- perhaps pedal tavern themed oh, third kit for Nashville SC. <laughs> And Nashville's nickname. It's not going to be the Coyotes. It's not going to be the Boys and Gold. It's going to be the Wagon Wheels. It's the it's the Wagon Wheels. Um, one Knox SC, by the way, has a really nice look that uh, their crest. Yeah, their their is crest the smoky is, is smoky theme. So yeah, sunrise, not sunrise, not sunset. Yeah. That's yeah. It's sunset. You'd look in the other way, but um, from Knoxville, at least, yeah, beautiful. Um, I think that would look really, really nice if you could do that. Uh, let's go outside in quickly, and uh, Tim for the Gold Cup. Uh, in the quarterfinals, the best possible outcome for the U.S. men's national team against Canada. The U.S. wins. Jacob Schaffelberg scores a typical Jacob Schaffelberg goal. Nashville gets him back, though. He he gets to to feel proud and inform, and he should feel proud. But Nashville gets him back, and the U.S. moves on. 
Yeah, my, my good friends on the on the Scuffs podcast were sort of roasting the concept of of that being the guy who scored Canada's <laughs> go ahead goal. Um, Greg Velasquez uh, kept calling him Shackleton. Um, so no, I, I made I made it clear to those guys that that Schaffelberg's built different. He's yeah. I think he's. Uh, do I think Canada regrets not bringing him to the World Cup? I think they probably do. <laughs> but... He's playing now. I don't think that yeah. what, with what he delivered in limited action last year, he probably made a strong enough case then. But now, showing what he yeah, can do? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, all of that. And, and guess who? Guess who's <laughs> available on Wednesday? I, yeah. I asked Gary on Monday if, if Schaff would be available for the Philadelphia game. Uh, when most of you are listening, that will probably be tonight. Uh, he said probably. Nothing was set in stone. Mm-hmm. He had already stopped by the facility on Monday morning at, at the time that we talked to Gary. So Good. he had already been back in town, even though that game was uh, a, a late afternoon, early evening game um, on Sunday night. So it is a situation where Schaffelberg got back to Nashville in, in plenty of time to be at training on Monday. He was not going to go through a full training session, but should be available for selection. It's just a matter of if he's if he's fit enough to to feel like he's ready to go. Um, you know, just a couple of days after a, a continental uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, likely diamond versus diamond. I don't see him starting anyway, but his best role sometimes is the, <laughs> the legs, it, but yeah. I think he and Pico are so interchangeable at that yeah. second forward position. Yeah. Is, is really do it. And of course, you could always just do my my Leal and, and Mukhtar uh, <laughs> idea, but still hey. want to see that. Yeah, still do want to see that. I, I think Schaffelberg, though, it, it works out well with the role he's played best at times this year, which is to put him in the last 30 minutes to let mm-hmm. those legs churn. And then I think you do have an eye towards starting him yeah. against Cincinnati if you do that. Yeah. Um, Throwback to 20 minutes ago in this pod when I said the, the Chicago game would have been completely different if you'd had the option to throw in Schaffelberg yeah. when you wanted to take out Pico as well. No question. No question at all. Uh, so that leaves one player still for the boys in gold who will not be with the boys in gold because of the gold cup. And that's Anibal Godoy, who now plays the U.S. kickoff 6.30 p.m. Wednesday. So I doubt many of you are going to be watching that match in, uh, since you'll be watching Nashville SC. But this pinball team is tough, Tim. There's, I mean, there's not, this is not a situation where the U.S. is playing some small nation they're going to roll over necessarily. Well, I mean, Panama is historically a, a small nation that people are going to roll over. The, the The issue is that they, they all are always tough. They're not, mm-hmm. uh, they, they may have the the overall results of kind of a minnow of the of the continent, but they don't uh, on a match to match basis look like it. They're, they're the opposite of what I previously described FC Cincinnati as being is, is, they're losing close games a lot of the time, um, whereas FC Cincinnati is winning close games a lot of the time. They're they're better than the the win loss record looks because of how close they're able to to play teams like the U.S. Uh, like um, I guess another relative minnow of the Confederation in Mexico. But um, <laughs> I'm a little surprised uh, based on who they have, including Godoy, that they haven't phased out some of the older guys. Yeah. Sure. Um, but at the same time, when you aren't a country that's regularly competing to make the World Cup. Uh, the only time they have done so in their country's history, it came at the expense of a of a country that's near and dear to our hearts. Mm, but um, you can run with guys who are thirty plus in in hopes of gold cu- gold cup glory because that's I'm um, kind of I don't want to say it's your ceiling, but it's it's your reasonable aspirational goal. Uh, if you're you know not U.S., Mexico, Canada, um, you know the occasional Jamaica, Costa Rica, I think Panama is in that next tier, and and aiming for a gold cup is something that. It's there. It's worth playing, you know, a 31 year old Godoy. Mm-hmm. It's worth playing some of these guys who are who are 33, 36, uh, who are playing for Panama in this tournament. Best of health and maybe a little bad luck to, to Godoy against the U.S. men's national team, but uh, definitely not a not a gimme uh, sharpie game for the U.S. Moving to the final whistle, my concert recommendation is something we actually uh, referenced last week, and but I'd not really listened to it in great detail. And today, flying back from from DC, listen to a couple episodes of Major League Journeyman, the podcast that that features Dax McCarty uh, along with Alan Gordon and and Dan Gargan. It's good. It's good, guys. If you've not listened to it, obviously we should be your podcast of record. But if you if you want to go and, and listen to more soccer podcasts, in addition to the other great ones here in this market. Um, it's not just three guys shooting the breeze. There's a lot of that, but there's a, there's a professional production value to it. It, it sounds good. Uh, and Dax is given license to talk about Nashville. I mean, he's not giving away, you know, tactical plans. He knows where to stop, but he goes right to the edge of that. Sometimes it's good. It's, it's really good. The, the episode I listened to most recently was June 29th one. It's a little dated, but they interviewed Kyle Beckerman. So you had the number one and number two all time, uh, minutes guys in major league soccer talking to each other and it's not just guys ragging on each other there's there's it, it's substantive it's upbeat and yes they also rag on each other uh it's it's good <laughs> i i recommend you listen to it 
Uh, mine is, um, it is something that I've recommended in the past, but it is the time that it is perfect to recommend yet again. And that is John Arnold's fantastic getting CONCACAF yes. newsletter. Uh, yes. When, when a tournament like the gold cup, or even, um, a few weeks back, the nation's league comes up, uh, nobody has a finger on the pulse of the entire confederation. Like John does. Uh, John's a good friend too. He's somebody who, who absolutely lives for this stuff. Um, he's, he's, certainly the only person covering it as in-depth as he is um, doing it in English for sure. So <laughs> he's a guy who knows his stuff. He covers the stories that are not just, uh, when I talk about Canada, I'm going to talk about uh, Jonathan <laughs> David. And, you know, he he talks about, yes, the stars, but also talks about yeah. um, some of the, the lesser known stories. And it's always incredible. Yeah, if you, if you want Jamaica coverage, you can get that a lot of places. He's good at that. If you want Montserrat coverage or Bermuda or like he's going to go to, you know, the edges of the Confederation and you're going to learn some new things. That's a great recommendation. It's really good. Uh, one more request. We, we always mention rate, review, subscribe to the show. I want to double down on that and ask you as we get toward the heart of this season with 12 matches to go plus Leagues Cup. To, to go on and give us a, a five-star rating if you're so led in a review. If you give us a uh, four or five-star rating, I'll say, and a good review, we'll read it on the show, give you a little bit of love. Um, it, it's, you know, a, a good way to know that we're tracking with you guys, but more importantly, it's it helps us grow this audience as other people come and see that we are at least somewhat credible. Uh, you guys give us whatever credibility we have. Uh, and uh, by the way, one of our uh, avid listeners and good friends of the show, good personal friend, Logan Elliott, congratulations on beating me in MLS fantasy this week. Oof, and tough. now Tim has the reminder to check his team. Yeah. It was a good, it was a close a match. We both did really well. He did better. And I'm in like 10th place now out of 30 something. Both so. teams played hard. They have, yeah. Team, team Logan have many good player. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go uh, watch the, uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game and get ready for tomorrow night. See you guys at uh, Jonas Park. Might actually go to the Capitol View in Melrose before this one, picking up my, my brother who lives downtown. We're going to, uh, I think, have a bite to eat and a beer. So if you happen to be out and about the Capitol View in Melrose around 5 o'clock before the game, say hi. Uh, thanks to uh, ML Rose for the sponsorship and the great burgers and the crunch wraps. Uh, thanks to Moon Taxi and uh, thanks to the 440 Sports Network. We'll talk to you soon.